You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's episode 218 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I appreciate you showing up and listening. I do greatly appreciate all of you. And you know who else I appreciate? GameMat.eu for supporting the show. And they are... Pa, um, sorry, they are event 10 for 10% off your order at gamemat.eu. And another somebody that supports the show is panhandle3d.com, and they will give you 10% off with Podcast 10. And they do free shipping over 80 bucks, I think, in the US, something like that. It's definitely worth checking out. And also, how could I ever forget our beautiful, sexy, good smelling Patreon patrons? Thank you all for supporting the show. Now, what are we talking about today? First off, they've got a new character in Age of Sigmar for the Ogre Mall Tribes, and he's like the Blood Pelt Hunter, I think his name is, and he hunts blood pelts, I assume? Let's check that out in that segment. Also, we've got a letter in the Tesseract mailbox from Grendel, one of our Patreon patrons, and he is clapping back at me. (laughs) (laughs) after last week, me talking about the whole Codex idea. So, we will see what he has to say, and we'll see just how sassy he gets about it. Then, we have the Real Talk with Pimpcron, where I just spitball some ideas so that GW can make more money licensing out their intellectual property. And we will see where that goes. What have I been up to? Well, uh, doing some Brutal Space, of course, work, hanging out with family... Yada yada, a lot of Shorehammer stuff. This time of year I end up getting um, not quite an email every day, but pretty much probably five emails a week I get. And um, people are like, oh, I forgot to sign up for this or whatever. And they, they want me to edit their order or they can't find the receipt and they want to make sure they bought their ticket or whatever. We have had a big uptick in sales this last week. We've had like 12 sales, ticket sales just this week. And that pushed us over 100 attendees. And, of course, we have a full month left before the event. And um, so I was happy to break 100. That's basically, like, you know, what I want to break every year. And anything more than that's gravy. And the Highlander, the 60-man Highlander, is now sold out. There's a waiting list for that. And uh, all of our events are pretty much much sold out. I mean, I think Highlander is the only thing that's actually sold out. But um, uh, some of the things, like uh, my narratives have like one slot or three slots or something like that. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that and um, very excited for Shorehammer. Speaking of Shorehammer, we did our second and final terrain painting day painting party with my buddies TJ and Just James and Matt. And we had a good old time and we had pizza and, and we just painted a bunch of uh, a bunch more terrain from Panhandle3D.com. Ha ha! And uh, they are actually the the major sponsor for Shorehammer this year. So, um, we painted for six hours today, and uh, uh, my neck hurts from from leaning over. And uh, we got a lot of terrain. I have nearly a six by four table f- covered in terrain. I mean, almost every square inch of new painted terrain. If I put it all out there, it is a full table. A corner-to-corner, edge-to-edge of brand-new terrain from panhandle3d.com. And they're still sending me a box with a bunch of donations for the charity raffle and a bunch of other stuff. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. And we're, I'm happy 
to have their support, and I would appreciate it if you supported them as well. Anyway, um, that is about it. Um, one thing, just personal hobby stuff, right? In a little bit of free time that I have, I decided to finally pull the plug on my Heroclix, okay? I've loved Heroclix. I started Heroclix back in like 97, 99, whenever they came out. And it was Infinity Gauntlet or something like that. Whatever the very first set was. For um, uh, Marvel was the first set. And then DC's Hyper Time, I think it was called, came out like right after. And um, I've I've had a lot of Heroclix all over the years. And um, I was sad when the company like, you know, canceled Heroclix. And then NECA bought the rights to it. And I mean, I've, I've followed Heroclix and I've loved Heroclix because I've always been a comic book fan. My whole life. And I used to... I never played competitively. I never played a single Heroclix tournament. I only set up my own uh, games between, you know, Justice League versus Avengers or whatever. And that was what I always did. And uh, But I finally have been able to come to terms with the fact that I'm going to get rid of all my old models. The models I used to hold on to. I've had for practically 20 years. Actually... No, more than 20 years. Oh, man, I'm getting old. I've had these things for more than 20 years, and uh, I'm I'm finally going to get rid of them. And by get rid of them, I mean they're going to go into my big box of kit bash. The children can play with them. You know, the children can paint them sort of anything goes box. Not one of the boxes I keep for brutality minis. Not one of those boxes. But I did decide, because I'm, I do have a superhero-themed brutality supplement coming up in probably 2020, uh, 2023. It's coming up. And uh, so I thought, well, you know what? I do want to keep at least one of each character. You know, Superman, Spider-Man, Hawk, X-Men, all of them. And I decided to pick the very, like the model for each character because I've got like 12 Spider-Man okay I've got like I, I had I made it a point to um make Captain America themed like war bands or lists and I used to like to do that like a multiverse of Captain Americas so I've got probably 15 Captain Americas uh, of different sets and ages and dimensions and all that and I'm just gonna go down to one Spider-Man one Captain America, one Daredevil, and I'm going to pick one from each of them. And if I don't have any models that I really love, I'll probably buy a new model for that character. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to have one of each of them. And then, you know, Heroclix, they're painted okay. They're painted by like a machine. So a lot of them are like kind of weird. Their lines are sloppy or whatever. And I'm going through and I am either completely priming and repainting them or I'm just using contrasts and washes and highlights and, and just repainting them, touching up what they already have. And um, obviously, after I'm done painting them, they look much, much better than they did as a uh, as just a plain hero click. Because the paint jobs on those are never fantastic. So, that is what I'm doing. I'm having fun with it. So far, I picked my favorite Spider-Man pose and repainted him. And Elektra, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, and uh, I think there was someone else too that I cannot think of right now. But that's that's basically what I did. There was five of them, and I cannot think of what the other person was. But, oh well. Oh, Carnage. I did Carnage. So, that is what I've been up to in my little bit of free time. And uh, I think that's it. So let's get on to the next segment. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. 
And it's time for the Tesseract Mailbox. We have a letter from our Patreon patron, Grendel. Meh, 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 meh. And he writes, good show and great party. Wolf. Remember, he was, uh, maybe I said wolf, but I mean wolf. He was, he was, uh, supposedly dressed as his dog tank for our fictional Patreon party we had. Anyway, he, this is in, um, response to last week's episode. If the socks matched my Necron sweater, I would get them, but since they're stupid Imperial style, I will pass. And you know, you kind of bring up a good point with that, because I know the Imperium is the most popular, and arguably it would sell the most, but I think there's also some real novelty in throwing in a few other factions, you know, just, or, or make them socks that match, but they have a bunch of different faction logos on them, then more people would be more likely to do them. But also, like I said last week, they had their own design issues, so we won't even get into that. But he continues, while your codex idea might be feasible, I can't see GW doing it. And if you'll recall, for you playing at home, if you missed last episode, I said that Games Workshop would make more money, ultimately, per codex, if they made a gamer's edition that was either black and white, soft cover, or or, um, color soft cover, and then a special edition that was way more expensive hardback with the lore and all that, that uh, had more than just the rules in it. And by the way, when I was looking at the special edition, uh, I, I saw it after the episode. Was it $90? It's either 80 or $90 for a special edition codex. That is nuts. So if they charge those two amounts, they would be making complete bank. But Grendel does not uh, agree with me completely. He continues... First of all, the difference between the two codexes are just the cover, so they only have to have the monkey make a single layout for the whole book. Okay. So, okay, that that makes a little bit of sense. So he's saying the special edition codexes are identical to the regular codex, it's just a different cover. And if that's the case, if you buy a special edition codex, you're an idiot. I'm sorry, like, you're just an idiot, because number one, your special edition codex should be, oh, it's, like, worth something, like, it's special, and if it's not special, then you're just paying for a different cover, so you, you guys literally, those of you who buy special edition codexes, please correct me if I'm wrong, you pay 30 extra dollars for a different cover, boy, that is a real flex, that is a real flex as far as Wargaming goes. They used to come with like a metal token and some stuff like a couple editions ago, but I didn't realize it was just the same inner part. That's nuts. But I will argue with you, Grendel, that it wouldn't technically be two different layouts because you would just be subtracting stuff. I mean, the index would change, sure, the table of contents, I mean, but that's all that would change. And also, remember, this is this does not cost millions of dollars to change. This is literally you open up a word processor and do it. I mean, I've published like six books at this point. I know, I know how it works, and it's not hard. Um, but I do see what you're saying. It does. It is a little extra work or whatever. But I, I don't I don't entirely agree with that. And his second point is B. While the percentage might be higher to make the same actual dollar amount, they would have to sell almost twice as many. While it may sway people like you, I know people who will pirate any chance they get. Hmm. He also writes, Finally, GW are proud people. They would never admit they are charging too much. No matter how much logic or evidence you use, even if they follow your suggestion, the books might drop to $45. (laughs) Those rules are premium. Just my two cents. Grendel. Okay, Grendel, you do have a point. 
where I'm trying to be reasonable and I'm trying to look out for the players and I'm trying to still make them like 95% profit at $25, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think they would, if they ever did go the cheaper route, it would be like $5 cheaper or $10 cheaper. It's not the $25 I'm talking about. It's, you know, like you just said, $45. So I think that's a pretty valid point that you're making there. And your other point about them having to sell twice as many and that they'd be making more money per capita, but they would have to sell twice as many, it would really, and this sounds stupid to even say, it really would come down to the numbers. You know, because I think most people would actually go the cheaper route than the more expensive route. And more money per capita is always better in the long run. But mm, you're right. There is like a certain, there's a certain point where more money per capita is not worth it because it's not as much money as you would make before because you would sell more money per item. So you're right. There's some sort of in between there, um, like, you know, like the X and Y axis, there's two lines that of profitability that cross at some point. And of course, we don't have that sort of information, but you are right. It would, I would definitely have to actually see the numbers of sales. And that is kind of one of the variables in the equation that unfortunately we just simply don't have. They're very tight to the, the chest with all of that information. But that is kind of a good point. And to your other point about them being proud, while I cannot disagree with you there, they are definitely a proud people, I think they could very easily spin that as, oh, this is the gamer edition, this is the, you know, it's just a different version of it. And when you say people pirate it no matter what, that is the absolute truth. People, there's a certain percentage of the population that will pirate, but there's a percentage of that population, I don't know how big it is, there's a certain percentage of that population that is pirating because they get sick of Games Workshop's price gouging. And if they really did offer a book for 25 bucks, they might actually buy it rather than pirating it. Now, there's another portion of that population that will always pirate no matter what. If Games Workshop was giving out the codex for $1, they would go find some file sharing thing and share that $1 codex. They're... Once again, I don't know where we are on that curve. I don't know what exact impact it would be. But I personally believe that it would improve their public image to be offering something for cheap, right? And it would also improve their bottom line, I think. But you have brought up some very good points, and I just don't really have the answer to that. And once again, I even preface that with my original comments I made last week, is that I don't have the whole picture. So you could assume that Games Workshop is doing whatever the smartest option is for their own interests. But you do see code, uh, codexes. Uh, corporations and governments do the stupid option time and time and time and time again. It really depends on who is in charge. So I'm not entirely sure they are making the best choices, but then again, I don't have all the information they do, so I don't know. I'm just speculating. But you do bring up good good points. So thank you for writing in, Grendel, and you guys can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron, and you can uh, follow me on Instagram for my, uh, you know, my short uh, sketches and on YouTube at pimpcron TV and uh, all sorts of stuff.
So let's get on to the next segment. Want that or want that not? Hey, this is Want That or Want That Not with the Pimpcron, and I am covering the Blood Pelt Hunter for Ogre Mall Tribes. And it's a new character. He's $45, which is a bit steep. I guess they're paying by the ounce of plastic used. And he's got a bunch of heads of stuff around his waist. I can't tell exactly what these are. One of them looks like a seraphim. One of them looks like uh, some other monster. He's got, like straps over his eyes which at uh, first I was like is he blind it seems like he's blind but I think one eye is still visible and he's got a giant crossbow and he's barefoot and he's got two antlers that are like strapped to the side of his head I don't know man it really doesn't do anything for me whatsoever I don't see I also see a human hand hanging from his belt and I get it that he blood pelt hunter hunts things and he's got pelts. I get it. Um, uh, yeah, as usual, he's a monopose. I just don't really see what's what's all that great about this guy. Now, maybe he does something great in the game. I don't know that. But just judging off of this, he's got like two big spears and then he's got the big crossbow and a bunch of heads and stuff. I don't know. I Maybe if he looked cooler in his head, because the rest of his body is actually alright, but his head is so odd with the antlers or like blades made to look like antlers on either side of his head, and he's got some teeth and things, and he's got all these straps all over his eyes to the point where only one eye is barely visible. And maybe there's like a backstory for him or whatever, but I just don't see a whole lot worth worth looking at here. So... For $45 is definitely a want that not for me. And, uh, I, you know, maybe if you play this army or whatever, but it's just another one of those examples where Games Workshop seems like sometimes their designers are just all over the place. He's got pants. He's got bandages around his calves. He's barefoot. He's got pelts around his waist. He's got like a manticore head or something around his waist. He's got a seraphim head. He's got a human hand. He's got one of those big metal belly protected things that the uh, gut busters or whatever have. A strap across his shoulder. Then he's got the crossbow, if I didn't already mention that again. And the two spears. And then the things on his head. And it's just like, that's there's a lot going on here. He's got an axe on his waist. It's almost like, how does he move with this much crap strapped to him? I just don't really... I don't know, man. And all Mall tribes are supposed to... I know they, they kind of border between funny and menacing. And he does not look menacing, not in the very least. He looks stupid. He looks like a goofball. If you've got stuff strapped all over your eyes so you can only see through one gap in your straps, I don't even know what that's supposed to signify. I'm sure maybe he lost his eye to some monster or something. I don't know. It's just... It all just seems dumb. I don't really... Uh, there's nothing about this model that makes me want to go, oh man, I could use that. I don't play the army, but also I often look at models like, you know, if I did play the army, would I want him? And no, I would not. Maybe if you gave him a different head. If he comes with a different head option that's like helmeted or something, but he's got a stupid look on his face like, what? That's what he looks like. And he's missing teeth and he's just... It's just not an interesting model. They could have done infinitely more interesting things 
with that. And uh, I just, no, 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 no. That is a note for the Pimp Cron. Let's move on. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Hey everybody, it's Real Talk with the Pimp Cron, and this week I wanted to give Games Workshop a little help in spitballing some ideas for licensing new products. Everyone knows that in the recent years, Games Workshop has licensed all sorts of stuff out with their intellectual property, right? We've got 40k Monopoly, 40k uh, Pop Figures, we've got the McFarlane Toys... We have the um, the metal pins made by some other company, but it was Games Workshop symbols. And we've got a Munchkin 40K. It's actually, honestly, mostly 40K. But it, um, I think Age of Sigmar has been in there a little bit. There's been um, spandex with like 40K symbols, sweatshirts with 40K in- information on it, just all sorts of stuff. And um, I think it's only a matter of time before they start broadening their horizons a little further. So I would like to take it upon myself to help them come up with a couple more ideas, different avenues that they could make some more money and license out their stuff. So, some of it may be a little more risque. Other things are a little more mundane, like such as a a perfectly good idea, right? Green Tide Lawn Fertilizer. Why couldn't you do that? Like a little commercial where there's all these little, the guy sprinkles it on his lawn and it's just a million little orcs, right? And the little orcs are out there and they're like, you know, digging up the soil and aerating it and whatever, and then it's just this green wave goes over his whole his whole yard. Think about that. That's a good idea. It actually isn't. But let's move on. What about Sour Patch Kids? But they're actually Sour Patch Nids, and they're in the shape of little hormigons and stuff. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. And as they got killed, you get to eat them. Think about that. That's actually a pretty good idea, right? And they would keep selling them because obviously hormigons, termagons, they get killed all the time, right? So you could have like a termagant pack of sour patch, sour patch nids. You could have a hormigant pack. Um, maybe if you even wanted to get into gene stealers, right? Um, there's a lot of things like that if you think about it. And they do sell giant gummies. Maybe not sour patch kids, but let's say you go with Haribo, right? The uh, gummy bear company. They sell big gummy bears. You could have a gummy Carnifex. You really could just have an entire gummy nid army. And I actually, I would buy that personally. Then, of course, in the Halloween season, right, you're handing all this out. Children are like, gosh, mom, what's a Sour Patch nid? And then they look it up. You'd have like a write-up in the back of the bag. And then people are like, oh, my God, this is a war game? Oh, I love war games because that's what the, the common reaction to that would be. And, and, uh, and then there you go. It markets itself. And it also kind of gets around the whole pesky problem of these miniatures being made of plastic and they last so long. If they're made of a perishable material, then they got to keep buying. It's just, it's profit is built into that. Here's one for you chefs out there. What about the greater good cheese grater? Hmm? It's shaped like a drone. It's got the holes in it. And you can shove cheese through it, and it shreds it, and it's a, just a it's just a play on words. What if they made a website, and it was just the central place where you can find all of the pictures of Rogel Dorn that have ever been commissioned, all the fan artwork. It's just specifically Rogel Dorn, and it's called Dornhub. How do you get children into this hobby? You have to permeate every part of their life. 
And you know what a big social hour is? Is lunchtime at school. How does a corporation seed itself into the lunchtime at school? Well, that's easy. You make a snack. You make a nutritional yet delicious snack to rival Fig Newtons. It's called Cities of Fig Bar. <laughs> that's so stupid. Now, you've got to discover something that will get the dads into the game, right? Well, what about something that they could use all the time? They carry it in their car. It's crucially important in certain scenarios, and they could brag about it to their friends. What about a set of Games Workshop licensed Furious Charge jumper cables? Mmm, that sounds like a good product. In this go-go-go lifestyle that we have nowadays, people find themselves on a noisy train, on a loud bus, on a crowded airplane, and sometimes you just want to get some Zs. Am I right? Am I right, kids? Of course I am. Anyway, it's great to have some noise-canceling headphones so that you can get a good rest while you're on public transportation. And that's where the Silent King noise-canceling headphones come in. You too can sleep like the Silent King with these noise-canceling headphones by Games Workshop. Okay, the next one might be a little out of Games Workshop's wheelhouse, okay? And I know it's a little bit of a touchy subject, it's a little risque or whatever, but if you really think about it, female wargamers are underrepresented in our hobby. They just are. And we need to find a way, an avenue, to subtly advertise to these women. And if you think about it, you need to have something that they're going to use regularly, something periodically that they use, something that is going to be, you know, just in the background of their life. And when they finally go to choose a war game, you know they'll choose Games Workshop. And for that, I feel like the best brand that would represent Games Workshop's interest in the female industry is Red Thirst brand tampons. That's right. Blood's not just for the blood god anymore, ladies. And of course, what well-rounded PR and advertising campaign could ignore the adult industry? Am I right? Of course I am. So that's why we have Deep Strike prophylactic condoms. You know, I really, really struggled between deep strike condoms and the inner circle condoms. I don't know. I didn't know which one. So I, I think deep strike's better. But anyway. All right. All right. I'm done. So sorry that you had to listen to this. And uh, I know it was super corny, but I had fun. I mean, at least one of us did, right? I'll see you next week. And thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3D.com for supporting the show. And also my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. I will see you next week.